You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I'm just hanging out here broadcasting from the Vivid Seats studios. Use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. I don't know if I need to tell you this or not, but today's game day. Today, the Green Bay Packers have the opportunity to start 3-0. The last time the Packers went 3-0 was 2015. Now 2015 was uh wasn't exactly the best year in the world, but it I don't know what it is with me lately and all this poetic nonsense, but it is interesting because I've mentioned it on this podcast several times, but I really feel like the downfall of the Packers started in 2015 and in that year the Packers actually started the season 6 and 0. And what I've said several times is that they came out of their bye faced the Denver Broncos, and what you had was the undefeated offensive powerhouse of the Green Bay Packers and the undefeated defensive powerhouse of the Denver Broncos. The Packers up to that point scored 31 points, 27 points, 38 points, 17 points, 24, 27. Aside from the 49ers on the road, they obliterated everybody. Then they went up against Denver, and what Denver did is they laid out the groundwork and they said, look, this is how you beat Mike McCarthy and the Green Bay Packers, and it's been downhill ever since. And as I said, ever since then, we've we have not gone three and zero. In fact, we've been four and two pretty much every year. Last year we were three two and one. The year before that we were four and two, and 2016 we were four and two. Now, depending how tough Philadelphia and Dallas are, we may end up four and two again in our first six games. But still. The 3-0 thing is kind of nice. But I want to talk a little bit more about some of the opportunities we have to um, to really get off to a hot start and, and what that would mean for the team. And we'll get into a little bit of that right after this here break. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
One of the things I mentioned prior to the season is the opportunity for the Packers to start fast and why that's important. Typically, what I want is for the team to get hot at the end of the year. I think every team wants that. It's not that you necessarily want to start slow, but I think you set up your season in such a way, not that you set the schedule, but you set up what you're doing in such a way that you have gradual growth so that by the end of the year is when you're really clicking on all cylinders. However, for the Packers, I think it's a much more of a different situation because you have a new dynamic. You have so many new players. Things can go really well if you're winning, right? Because you guys tend people are going to tend to get along a lot better if you guys are playing well. But if things are bad and you're losing by a lot, that, that dynamic can fall apart pretty quickly. And um, starting the season 2-0, and I think, has helped contribute. Now, th- there's other factors here. Zadarius Smith taking on that leadership role. He seems like a really great guy. Preston seems like a good guy. Jair's always been Jair, right? A lot of these things are already working. But it's kind of going to that next level of how close everybody is, how excited everybody is, how motivated, how all this stuff is working in large part because of the fact that the Packers are 2-0. and The same thing could be said about Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur's relationship. I mean, we saw a minor flare-up on the sidelines between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur in last week's game. Imagine what the situation might be if they were 0-2. I mean, Mike Florio would be having a field day. Not saying that it would be catastrophic, but, you know, the hugging and, you know, the game ball and all this stuff that they get to do to, to kind of grow a little bit closer together so that they can weather the storms of losses that are certainly coming at some point in the future is really, really beneficial. So that's the first thing. That's that's the first reason why this is beneficial, and, and another win is just going to further solidify this. Because at some point, it just gets ridiculous if you throw a fit after a loss, right? I mean, if you go 5-0 and and then lose or whatever, it's like, come on, man. What, what, what did you think? You were never going to lose another football game again or what? The other thing is the opportunity for the Packers to kind of pull ahead, um, not just in the division, but in the NFL. Right now, as far as undefeated teams... The Patriots are going to be 3-0 and because they're facing the Washington Redskins. The schedule maker went ahead and gave them the easiest schedule on the planet, so cool. Thanks, guys. Buffalo Bills are facing the Bengals. I have a tendency to believe the Bills are going to win that, so they're probably 2-0 and as well. But Chiefs versus the Ravens. Regardless of what happens in this game, those are two undefeated teams. One of them's going to lose. That means one of them is not going to be undefeated at the end of this. So there will be, at most, three AFC teams that are undefeated. Depending on if the Bills or Patriots lose, three is what there will be. The Cowboys this week are facing the uh, Dolphins, so they're not going to lose. The Rams are facing the Cleveland Browns. Some potential there, but probably they're going to win that game. The 49ers are probably going to win their game. The Seahawks would have lost if the Saints didn't lose their quarterback, but they did. But just from a statistical standpoint... Some of these teams are going to lose. So all we're really looking at is one, two, three. It's amazing. The NFC West is almost entirely undefeated with the exception of the Cardinal. There's, there's four teams outside of the Packers that, are, that haven't lost yet in the NFC. And the NFC is what matters the most anyways. They're one of five. At least one of these teams should absolutely lose. The Lions today, if we're looking at our own division and our ability to pull away in our division, are facing the Eagles. The Lions absolutely should not win that game. The Lions currently are second in the division. The Vikings are facing the Raiders. You would think that the Raiders are probably going to lose, but they've been playing teams pretty tough. We'll see what happens, especially after that catastrophic Kirk Cousins performance. If he's kind of in a real serious funk, the Raiders could pull that one out. And then finally, Chicago, I said the uh, Patriots are facing Washington. That's clearly not the case because the Bears are. Here's the thing with that, though. 
the Bears should win this game. Have you ever seen Mitch Trubisky's primetime stats? Let me just read this little blurb to you real quick. This is from the Chicago Sun-Times, written by Patrick Finley. The Bears embrace playing in primetime. Just being scheduled at night, they say, means they're doing something right. Now they just need their quarterback to play well in primetime games. That hasn't happened yet. Even as Mitch Trubisky is preparing for his seventh career night game, Monday night at the Redskins. Judging by his passer rating, Trubisky is an above-average quarterback at noon, a below-average one in mid-afternoon, and, well, a hot mess at night. In six career night games, two Monday, one Thursday, and three Sunday, Trubisky has completed 122 of 200 passes for 1,002 yards with five touchdowns, nine interceptions, and a 63.4 passer rating. That's Moses Moreno territory. I don't know who that is, but I'm guessing he's garbage. Probably why I don't know his name. Trubisky has thrown more than one touchdown only once at night, which was last season against the Seahawks, but more than one interception three times. Amazingly, the Bears are 3-3 three and three in those games, though that's Trubisky's worst winning percentage of any start time. So the bottom line is, the guy is garbage at night. So the Lions are probably going to lose. The Vikings are probably going to win. The Bears could very well lose. Meaning, by the end of this, if the Packers win, they're 3-0, and the Vikings would be second with 2-1. and one. The Lions would be third with a 1-1-1 one, one, and one record. And the Bears would be 1-2, last in the division. Having lost to a team they have no business losing to. That's one of those games, by the way, that you just absolutely should never lose. The Washington Redskins is a game that is f- just line up the NFC North. Everybody that's looking at it says these are the games that we have to win. Just like last year with the Packers and the Redskins, that one circled. We cannot lose this game. If they lose that, they're in a lot of trouble. To make matters worse for the Bears, it's in Washington. It's not in Chicago. Not exactly sure how the Redskins score points against the uh, Chicago Bears, but I also don't know how Trubisky plans on scoring points, so that'll be interesting. To make matters even better, let's just say the Vikings and the Bears both win. Next week they play each other, so guess what? One of them's coming away with a loss. Because really, at the end of the day, when we're looking at this, and I've got this set up somewhere on an Excel spreadsheet, basically all the records and all the predictions and who needs to do what. It was something I did toward the end of last year when I was trying to figure out what exact formula would need to happen for the Packers to sneak into the playoffs. It's kind of an interesting tool and kind of helps you visualize things. And as I can see things, it kind of looks like the Vikings are going to be the biggest competition just based on the way the schedules are laid out, but whatever. Either way, what it ultimately comes down to is losses, right? Because if you're talking about playoff teams and we're talking about well the Vikings and the Bears and the Packers are all in playoff contention at the end of the day then all you're worried about is is losses you have to minimize your losses well guess what one of them's getting one in week four that absolutely is going to help us so even if every single team wins this week and the Packers end up losing next week to the Eagles I don't think they will I don't hope they will but even if they do the worst that could happen let's say the uh the Minnesota Vikings win at home and beat the Bears the Packers are still number one in the division. The Vikings would be three and one. The Packers would be three and one, but the Packers beat the Vikings. So there you go. The other reason, and I know this should be about the Packers, but ultimately what the Packers do is going to depend what happens in the division. The, the, the hard part of the schedule is going to be for the Bears at the end of the season. As I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, you know, this, this, this is too easy getting laid out for the Bears because you got the Redskins, which again, as we'll come back to, they absolutely have to win this game. But you got the Redskins, that's not too tough. The Vikings could go either way. 
The Raiders are easy. Then you get a bye week. Then they get the Saints, which should have been a team. I mean, they got thrown on the Bears' schedule because it was going to be tough because the Bears won the division, so you get all the hard teams. Well, they got the Saints, but Drew Brees isn't going to be playing. That doesn't necessarily mean they automatically win, but I'm thinking they're going to win. It's in Soldier Field, probably. Then they get the Chargers, who are all banged up. Then you got the Eagles, that's tough. You got the Lions, that's a win. You got the Rams, that's tough. You got the Giants, that's a win. You got the Lions, that's a win. So if you're looking at it, Redskins, Raiders, Saints, Chargers, Lions, Giants, Lions again, that's seven wins. Eight if you count the Vikings. But they've already got a loss. If they lose to the Eagles, that's two. By the way, the Eagles are, are week nine, so they, they could legitimately have only two losses by that point. However, then you got the Rams, that's three. You get the Cowboys, that's four. The Packers, that's five. The Chiefs, that's six. And then the Vikings, that's seven. They can go on a serious losing streak toward the end of the season and be nine and seven. Again, the point is, the beginning of their schedule is the easy part of their schedule. Losing to Washington is devastating because they're going to have a hard time getting through this with less than seven wins, just the way that this is laid out. There's really, really tough teams. Again, the Rams, I mean, it, 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 even the Chargers would be tough. The Eagles are tough. The Giants are tough, or the, uh, the Cowboys are tough. Packers, Chiefs, and Vikings. And that's with them splitting with the Vikings. As for the Packers, and we'll have to see... I, I, as I said yesterday, I think it's really important that we don't just get a win here, but a decisive win. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be happy, and I've been saying early in the season, especially in September, it's just about getting the W. Things are kind of ugly, but I kind of feel like it's getting close to the time where the Packers need to turn the corner. The, the defense has been playoff caliber since week one. I just, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. They're ready to go. They're fired up. They're playing great football. This is week three with Aaron Rodgers with Devontae Adams, with Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiar, right? These guys are veterans. I understand they didn't play a lot. You got two games under your belt. Let's get going now. Because the fact of the matter is, I think with with home field advantage, with a defense that's still clicking, and with an offense that's able to, to kind of finally get moving, the Eagles in Green Bay don't stand much of a chance, which might be a slight overstatement. But I really do think the Packers should be favored and, and by a decent margin. And we'll have to keep an eye on the Eagles. They're kind of up and down. They're not as, quite as good as people maybe would have thought, but they're still a really good team. But that's sort of that next tier, right? So you beat Chicago and you beat Minnesota. That's great. I'm not really sure what kind of a team they are. Beating Denver is a must-win game from the standpoint of these are sort of the lower-tier games that you need to win. Philadelphia are, now we're talking playoff-caliber teams. And maybe the Bears and the Vikings are too. Don't really know that for sure. I mean, at the very least, we're talking about probably the worst two quarterbacks ever, at least as far as their performance in those games. Really, really bad. But if the Packers are going to get to that next level, if they're going to be a, you know, not just a playoff caliber team, but a team that can make a run in the playoffs, the offense has to get going. We can't just have one quarter to your name out of eight. And I know those are two tough defenses, but guess what? It's not going to get easier. The Broncos have a tough defense. The Eagles have a tough defense. The Cowboys have a tough defense. The Panthers have a tough defense. The 49ers have a tough defense. The Bears again. The Vikings again. I mean, half our schedule is going to be top-tier defenses. Get used to it. Find a way to beat that. What do you think the Patriots have? The Patriots probably have the best defense in the NFL right now. If we end up getting to the Super Bowl and can't beat the Eagles' defense or the Broncos' defense, the Patriots are going to absolutely annihilate us. I'm not giving up on the team. I'm just saying by week three, we need to start seeing something. Because if we can see something against Denver, we've got a very real chance of beating the Eagles. Now, Dallas in Dallas is a different situation. I think they're a better team than the Eagles. It's on the road. I know we have a lot of success with them. 
I mean, they're, they're not unbeatable by any stretch, but things really need to be clicking by that point. But I just think if you have home field advantage, you got the, the, the fans in the field on your side, it's a, it's a short week, right? It's a Thursday game. So we got a game coming up already. So I'm going to have to be on my game here with this podcast as far as recap and then instantly let's look at the Eagles. But a short week is going to favor the home team for sure. It's also going to be very important that we get out of this game injury-free because there's not going to be a lot of recovery time. But in the next five days, the Packers could legitimately be 4-0. But we need to see this week the offense get clicking. And we've, we've already seen it. We've seen some really awesome stuff. You know, the, obviously the first quarter against the Vikings, but there's also been, you know, the creativity with the offense and getting guys open. There have been guys open. Usually it's short part of the field, but so what? Open is open. Rodgers throwing to the open guy is Rodgers throwing to the open guy, and that's an awesome thing. And again, I'm not opposed to throwing it four yards down the field to a guy who's going to pick up an extra three yards and get a seven on first and ten. I don't know why that would ever be seen as a bad thing. I would take that 100% of the time that it's offered, and teams sometimes will offer that. And, it, you know, it, it doesn't have to be perfect, but I would just like to see the Packers more often than not be able to get the offense moving. Because as of this point, the offense, and it's been this way for three, this is year three now. This is year three of the offense really just not being good at all. There was Brett Hundley, there was last year, which just the offense couldn't do anything, and then this year it's kind of similar. And again, we, I'm not going to take the defenses are tough excuse. So what? So are the Broncos, so are the Eagles, so are the Cowboys. Are we just going to give up or what? You think the Chiefs are going to cry about it and go, well, we're not going to score a lot of points because it's the Vikings. No, they're just going to run up the score on the Vikings, you know, 31 points. You think the Rams are going to cry about it? No, they're just going to score a lot of points. The Patriots, they're going to score a lot of points. You know why? Because they're Super Bowl caliber teams. So on one hand, yeah, I know it's a good defense and that's, that is a reason, but it's a trash excuse. I'm fine with it's week one, it's week two, we need to get this thing figured out. I'm not okay with, well, it's Chicago, 10 points is good enough. No, it's not. No, it's garbage. No, 10 points is trash, which is why, again, I'm saying against Denver, I want to see two things. I want to see the offense run up the score. I want to see the defense continue to not allow another team score a lot of points. And I know that's not going to happen perfectly because we're going to let our foot off the gas on defense and the Broncos are going to catch up a little bit. But I don't want this to be a tight game. I really don't. And I, I believe me, it's, it's still in the just get a W territory. But that makes me nervous if it's down to the wire. If we have to have a comeback against Joe Flacco and the, and the Denver Broncos at home, what does that say about our chances against the Eagles or the Cowboys or the Chiefs or the Chargers or the Panthers or the 49ers or the Bears or Vikings or Lions again? Yeah, we beat them once before. Oh, we beat the Bears already. Yes, we beat them by seven, barely. Doesn't mean we're going to beat them for all time, forever, no matter what. It just doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. So it, it's, it's going to be a pretty big test because this, this, I mean, legitimately, this should just be a layup. And I'm not buying the Vic Fangio stuff. I'm just not. I like Vic Fangio a lot. Do you know how garbage the Vic Fangio was his first year with the Bears? The Bears' defense was bad. In his second year, the Bears' defense was even worse. They were almost one of the worst defenses in the NFL in Vic Fangio's second year. It wasn't until the third year that it started to come together, that people started to understand. He started getting the right personnel. They started coaching him up the way he wanted to coach him up, and everything was coming together. And then in year four, number one defense. We're talking about week three with the Denver Broncos. I don't care that he understands what what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. You think we don't know what Pat Mahomes is going to do? Of course we know. We know what plays they run. We know their tendencies. So what, they're doomed? They can't win now? No, they're going to win. I don't mean the game. I just mean they're they're going to get their yards. They're going to get their point. They're going to execute what it is they want to execute because they're good. And again, I, I just, 
I understand we don't have a number two wide. So what? Who's Drew Brees' number two wide receiver? You don't know, do you? Who's Deshaun Watson's number two wide receiver? Who's Matt Ryan's number two? I mean, bad example, but for years, who was Matt Ryan's number? Bottom line is, you don't need one. It helps, but there's a lot of teams who have a guy, and that's it. And you look at Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, and you see how dominant they are, and you realize they don't have an offensive line. They don't have a number two wide receiver. They don't have a tight end. They don't have a running back. They still dominate with that number one wide receiver, don't they? At some point, I just kind of get tired of the excuses. You have enough to win. We have a, a better offensive line than, than you know 75% of teams. We have a better running back than most teams. We have a better number one wide receiver than most teams. And, and, and I don't care if our number two isn't quite as good as some other teams' number twos. I don't care. PFF's highest, highest graded wide receivers last year, DeAndre Hopkins, doesn't have a number two. Michael Thomas doesn't have a number two. Julio Jones doesn't have a number two. And don't give me this Calvin Ridley nonsense. He was garbage last year. Keenan Allen was the number four ranked wide receiver. Who's the number two over there in uh, in L.A.? How about Tyreek in the Kansas City Chiefs? Sammy Watkins is not good. Don't give me that garbage. How about Odell Beckham in the Giants? What, Sterling Shepard? Whoop-de-doo. How about T.Y. Hilton? How many years did he dominate with nothing? All they had for years was a great quarterback and a great wide receiver. There was no number two. They didn't have a running back. They didn't have an offensive line. They had nothing. A.J. Green. Name one wide receiver that played opposite A.J. Green ever. Mike Evans, who's the number two? No idea. A.B. before Juju got there? Nobody. It doesn't matter. I don't care. I don't want excuses. It's boring. And nobody else is making them. Again, this is what I don't want to hear. Well, come on, the Packers played good defenses. I don't care. Well, the Packers aren't going to win until they get a, a really, really good number two wide receiver. Well, that's dumb. Because teams around the league right now are just carving it up with one receiver and one quarterback, and they're just dominating. And they're not making excuses. They're finding ways to get them open. And, and, and here's the thing. that I get tired of hearing about, oh, we got to get Devontae the ball. We gotta get, like, why? Well, this is why. Because Aaron Rodgers looks around the league and says, you know what? Other tandems, less talented quarterbacks and less talented wide receivers, are just in sync 24-7. These guys are double teamed, and they're still just carving up the league. I want to do that. Because I always got so tired of, of him talking about we got to get the ball more to Devontae. It's like, no, you don't, man. Throw to somebody else. This is probably what he's looking at. This is probably what he's talking about. He's not giving himself the excuse, well, they're double teamed. Devontae's not giving him the excuse of, well, I'm double teamed. I don't think the team is taking the excuses. I don't think the team cares what defenses they go up against. Aaron Rodgers is an elite quarterback. Devontae is an elite wide receiver. Defenses should not be able to just come up and say, okay, two guys stand by Devontae, and guess what? We win. That's garbage because the Packers can't scheme with a double team. We can't find a way to get the ball to the guy in a double team. We can't find a way to get anybody else open when he's double teamed. We can't find a way to run the ball at all when they're trying to draw extra coverage on Devontae. We can't take advantage of a single thing that anybody does. We can't make adjustments. We can't do anything. They say this is our plan. We say, well, shoot, I guess that's it then. Nonsense. This is why Matt LaFleur is here. Very, very intelligent guy. Willing to give him time excited about it but this is what has to happen and I understand I'm excited for next year yeah let's go get that number two let's go ahead and do it but you need to be able to win without it you have more than enough weapons this team has more than enough weapons to be carried by the defense that is absolutely not acceptable for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones Jimmy freaking Graham 
Mercedes Lewis, David Bakhtiari, Brian Balaga, Corey Lindsley. I mean, veterans among veterans, talent stacked on top of talent, and they can't muster more than one quarter out of eight. It's, it's embarrassing. And I, I don't want this to sound like complaining. I'm just trying to raise the bar. I'm, I'm happy with what's going on. I just want to make very clear what it is we're talking about here. Us winning and losing has nothing to do with the development of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I could not care any less. If that's what this season hinges on, is Marquez Valdez-Scantling becoming an elite number two wide receiver? This is, this is a terrible team. I don't accept that for a second. I mean, yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, he should step up. Kumaro, somebody, it'd be great. You know, get a little bit better. Cool. Be nice if we had a tight end that could step up. That'd be great. It would certainly help. But again, the Texans are not making excuses. They don't have any offensive linemen. They do not have a running back. They do not have a number two wide receiver. They do not have a tight end. They've got one quarterback who is not Aaron Rodgers and DeAndre Hopkins. And they just tear up the league. Been doing it for a while now. Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. Yeah, they got Alvin Kamara. That's cool. Got a good offensive line, just like the Packers do. So they got a good running back, good offensive line. A great Hall of Fame quarterback, real good wide receiver, and nothing else, which sounds silly to even say nothing else, but guess what? That's what the Packer fans do all day long. Well, all we have is an elite offensive line and a great running back and a top five wide receiver and the best quarterback in the NFL. That's all we have. We don't even have a number two that's elite. Come on, man. We're just making garbage excuses right now. Look how good the Saints are because they finally have exactly what the Packers have. They're unbeatable. They don't even have a defense. Chiefs don't have a defense. Texans, eh, kind of got a defense. But again, they have nothing on offense, but they still win on offense. The Chiefs have a quarterback. They have a wide receiver. They have a decent offensive line. Mediocre running back. No defense. Elite team. So anyways, the point is, again, I'm, I, I need to start seeing, we need to start seeing, and, and, and I'm not demanding this. I, I believe Aaron Rodgers expects this. I believe Matt LaFleur expects this. I just want us to start understanding what is, what is available to us. There's no reason to throw in the towel on the season because of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Th- that makes no sense. We have everything we need. What do we need? Well, we need pass rushers. We got it. Interior and exterior. Yep. What about stopping the run? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kenny Clark's about the best in the entire uh, NFL at stopping the run on the interior of the uh, defensive line there. Uh, we got it covered. We're good to go. What about the edge, though? Clay and Perry were... No, 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 they're gone now. Zadarius is actually doing really, really well at it. Preston's one of the premier edge rushers against the run. He's, he's incredible at it. Yeah, but, you know, pass defense is, is kind of a problem for us. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, things are looking up. Jair took a step. Kevin King took a massive step. Tremont's still a solid uh, corner. We've got some pretty good depth with Tony Brown, Kadar, Stanett waiting in the wings. Brand new safeties. They're really, really good. Whole, the, the, the defense is clicking. So here we are <laughs> with a great defensive line, great edge rushers, a pretty good linebacker, some great corners, some real good safeties, an elite quarterback, an elite wide receiver, a very good running back, and a top-tier offensive line trying to figure out, gee, I wonder if we can beat the Eagles at home. I hope we can beat the Broncos. Wouldn't that be swell? The potential of this team is the best in the NFL. That's the potential. That's the upside. The potential of this team is a team that absolutely smokes the Kansas City Chiefs because despite them having a really good offense, their defense can't do anything, and our defense has the ability to at least slow them down. That's everything playing at their full potential. So yes, I do expect to win this game. 
And I understand that it's September and people are still working out some kinks and Matt LaFleur is still trying to get settled in. That's fine. That's great. Sean McVay started his first season 1-1. One and one. You know, got to work out a few kinks. He started off 4-2, and two, just like the Packers have for several years, right? He ended the year 11-5, and five, though. Playoffs in his first year. Didn't have near the quarterback. Came into a team that was 4-12, and 12, took him to the playoffs in year one. Didn't quite have the talent that the Packers have. Certainly didn't have the defense. So, yeah. I mean, I, 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 don't know what, I don't know what we need. And again, I just refuse to be somebody that says this team's never going to be anything until we get a, a, you know, a better production from Marquez or from Geronimo. Nah. Nah, I'm not going that route. Can they develop? Sure. Will they develop? Maybe a little bit. Are they going to be elite wide receivers? No. Do they need to be? No. I don't know if hardly anybody has elite number twos outside of, what, Stephon Diggs? If you even want to call him elite, he's good. But I, I really believe that they're good enough. And yeah, again, next year, absolutely. Let's go get that wide receiver. Let, let's go do lots of stuff for this offense. Let's do exactly what we did for Mike Pettin. Let's find out what Matt LaFleur needs. Let's let him assess this offense and see who fits and who doesn't and let him get his guys. That's great. But for this year, we have more than enough. Matt LaFleur has more than enough to work with. And again, this, this, this sounds like a negative rant, but I promise you it is not. This roster is one of the best in the NFL it's not even debatable. They just have to meet that potential. Aaron Rodgers needs to meet his own potential. Matt LaFleur needs to extract the, the potential of this team and of the offense. Mike Pettin has, has met and or exceeded the potential of the defense. If Matt LaFleur can even come close to that level of production from the guys that he has, it, it, the NFC North is, is over. It's done. The, 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 the Bears and the Vikings and the Lions don't stand a chance. But we have to get to that point. And I'm not complaining. I have no problem with squeezing out two wins against two very good opponents. But again, this is the time of year. This is the, this is the exact kind of game where it's like, all right, this is, this is where we unload a little bit. This is where we kind of let her fly. I'm not saying this is a bad defense, but let's go. Let's get moving here a little bit. Because come time for the Philadelphia Eagles to come here, that's going to be pretty serious. And by the time week five we get on the road and go to Dallas... We had better be in peak physical condition because I don't know that that's necessarily an elite team, but you want to talk about efficient. That is a defense that's not just going to you know, give you easy plays because they're making mistakes. That's an offense that's just going to keep coming at you real hard to get pressure, real hard to stop the run. It's going to be tough, which is why we're going to need to be at our best. And I, I can tell you again, at our best, the Packers beat the Cowboys but we got to get it to our best. And I'm hoping, again, I'm hoping, this is why I said I want this to be a bit of a blowout, because a blowout is what this team's full potential is. Uh, it, this team's full potential against the Denver Broncos is somewhat of a blowout. They allow less than 20 points for the Denver Broncos, and the Packers are pushing 30. Like a, a 28-16 win would be satisfactory. However, as I said, and I am going to stick with this, this is my final prediction. When the, the Green Bay Packers played the Denver Broncos in 2015, the, the year that the Broncos essentially, they, they ruined us. And they beat us 29-10. to 10. My final prediction for this game against the Denver Broncos will be Packers 29, Denver Broncos 10. Retribution, son. Anyways, we'll take a final break, and then I want to look at some of these games around the, uh, around the league. Take a little bit of a closer look at them, give my thoughts and predictions, and we'll be done for the day. So what I'd like to do, rather than run through all of these, especially since I'm in a pick 'em pool and it's just kind of silly to just tell everybody what my thoughts are, although I'm not changing any of my picks, so I'll probably change my mind a few times, but I want to stick with somewhat relevant games. So again, 
the uh, the Buffalo Bills game, I do want to say, even though they're both AFC teams, who cares? But the Buffalo Bills are um, 2-0, and I'd like them to lose that. I don't think this is as cut and dry. I, I listened to Colin Coward, and Colin Coward's talking about Buffalo is, is a really good team. They're the most well-coached team, you know, that nobody's talking about or something to that effect. That's fine. I just don't know if it's a very good team. I, and I keep hearing about how great Buffalo's defense is. Maybe they are. I, I just, I don't know. Who are their corners? I mean, Tredavious White, if, if you just say that name, people are like, oh, yeah, he's real good, right? Tredavious White was quote-unquote good in his rookie year because he had like eight interceptions. Outside of that, though, he didn't do very much. And then last year, he wasn't very good. And this year, so far, he hasn't been very good. They don't really have very good corners. Um, Jerry Hughes is a very, very talented guy. However, he was really good last year. He hasn't been that good throughout his career. And so far in 2019, it hasn't been a very good start. He's been extremely volatile over since 2010 that he's been in the league. He's getting really old. Um, Ed Oliver, you keep seeing the highlights about him and all this stuff. He's been decent, but not great. You know, week one, he was solid. Last week, meh. Uh, Lorenzo Alexander is kind of up and down, similar to Jerry Hughes. Just just in general, I don't know. Now, the, the Bengals haven't been all that great, great either, but Andy Dalton, at the very least from a fantasy perspective, is kind of carving it up. Tyler Boyd, as I've mentioned several times, is solid. John Ross is off to a really good start, which is shocking because he's never been good. Tyler Eifert is healthy for the first time ever, although it's only week three and he's bound to go out soon. And, I, you know, I've been hearing about he looks really slow. Maybe it's just that would be unfortunate for him. But he's been basically the best tight end in the NFL every year except he's been injured, right? I mean, that's a slight exaggeration, but he is very, very, very good. But he's always banged up. And maybe he's just got nothing left in the tank after all these injuries and all this nonsense going on point is though it's not as one-sided as as you'd probably think as far as the the Bengals offense and Buffalo's defense on the flip side Cincinnati's defense has been just the worst I mean you want to talk about a bad secondary it's just been pathetic but what are the Bills working with they don't really have any good wide receivers John Brown's having a pretty good year so far Um, I think they lost Devin Singletary their running back after giving away um, Shady McCoy so Gore's going to be running they don't have a great offensive line you look at Geno Atkins and Andrew Billings. It's a pretty good defensive front. I, look, I'm 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 saying the Bills are probably the better team, but I'm not taking a minus six. Do I think the Bills are going to win? Yeah. Do I think they're going to win by an absolute trouncing? I don't know. It's it's one of those teams. It's can their can their offense even score a lot of points? I don't even know. So keep that score up and and see if uh, maybe the the Packers can can overtake them as one of the undefeated teams. And I would take it a step further and say if it wasn't for all the injuries, I hate those autoplay things. If it wasn't for all the injuries to the Bengals, I think the Bengals win this game. But they don't have A.J. Green. They don't have their rookie left tackle. Injuries, 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 injuries. Dolphins-Cowboys, it's really not worth even talking about. The Dolphins are just, they, they've got absolutely nothing. The Cowboys, you know, great offensive line, great running back, good quarterback, whatever. They're going to win. So that'll be a 3-0 team. Falcons-Colts, I mean, it's an NFC team, but I don't think the Falcons are really competition this year, to be completely honest. I mean, if we're talking about a potential playoff run, are the Falcons going to be challenging us for a wild card? I don't really think so. They've got some serious issues. And the fact of the matter is, I really do think that uh, the Colts are probably going to win the game. I mean, the, the Colts are favored, but not by much, but I, I would I would be much more comfortable with taking that pick, even at the, the minus one and a half. I think they're going to be able to run and throw against the the Falcons, and the Falcons' defense is in for a bit of a surprise. The Colts' defense is no joke, so I I think it's going to be a a pretty convincing trouncing trouncing by the uh, the Colts. 
especially in Indianapolis. That's pretty straightforward to me. Kansas City and the Ravens isn't really relevant other than two undefeated teams, and as I said, one of them is going to lose. But I will say I am picking the Baltimore Ravens to win. You know, here's the thing. A lot of this has to do with the fact that I just don't like the Chiefs and I don't want them to win this game. But And I'm I'm also not really buying the Ravens hype a ton. I'm just actually hoping that they can hang on at least one more week because I, I, I believe I've said, and I don't remember, this may have even been in the draft podcast I talked about it. Actually, it was for sure, so let me tell you. Um, Lamar Jackson, number two ranked quarterback in the NFL. Mark Andrews, their tight end, number two ranked tight end in the NFL. Hollywood Brown, their wide receiver, number two ranked wide receiver in the NFL. Again, I'm not buying any of that, but if they can hang on for one more week, this is the better team on paper. They've got a pretty good offensive line, and that that combination, this Chiefs defense has no ability to stop Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown. It's just not a good defense. And the problem is, on the flip side, the Chiefs are a really good offense. Here's the thing. Tyreek Hill, he's out. Eric Fisher, the tackle, is out. LaShawn McCoy, who they just got, is is questionable. Damian Williams, their, their starting running back, is out. Their running back is out. Their number one wide receiver is out. Their left tackle is out. And this is a stout defense. So we've got a quarterback who is currently ranked higher than Pat Mahomes. We have a tight end that is currently ranked higher than Travis Kelsey. We have a wide receiver that is not only ranked higher than Tyreek Hill, but Tyreek Hill is out. The The Chiefs offensive line right now is not even very good. They have a, They have a great tackle duo, but one of the tackles is out. Right now they have Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle, who is elite. They have nothing else along the offensive line. They're going up against a pretty talented defensive front that is going to carve up this offensive line, and basically it's going to be the Pat Mahomes show trying to get Sammy Watkins to continue having a good showing and Travis Kelsey going. This is the team, by the way, with Earl Thomas on it, Marlon Humphrey, Pernell McPhee. This is a good defense. And again, even if we're not buying that Lamar Jackson is quite as good as he has been in the first two weeks, even if he takes a step back, even if, you know, Hollywood isn't quite what he had been in the past, or Mark Andrews is kind of a fluke, he's not that, so what? Even if they're good, not great. Even if they're great, not elite, whatever. Andrews can take out the, these, these safeties and these linebackers. They don't have corners that are going to be able to hang with Hollywood. What are they going to do to try to track... Andrews. See, and that's the tricky thing, too, is you have to try to contain Lamar. This is the reason I really liked Lamar Jackson, even though I didn't think it was going to happen, because it's nearly impossible to be this good of a runner and this good of a passer. But if it can happen, it's a thing of beauty. How do you simultaneously control him, contain him, while also keeping an eye on a tight end who's coming across it? You, you have to keep your linebackers and everybody in a position to simultaneously attack the quarterback, contain the quarterback, and watch the middle. You, you can't do it. And a talented enough offensive mind is going to be able to be able to, going to be able to be able to manipulate this. I'm taking the 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 Baltimore Ravens, especially with the injuries. I you know I, I still think the Chiefs are the better team overall, but I'm I'm going out on a flyer here. And this could end up being the Chiefs win by by 40. I I don't know. Uh, and again, a lot of this has to do with me just wanting this to happen. But I'm I'm going Baltimore on this. Raiders-Vikings, not surprisingly, the Vikings are massive favorites at home, as well they should be. Biggest question is, is there any chance? Is there any chance that the Vikings absolutely just make a giant mess in their bed? Um, I'm going to say yes, but it's pretty unlikely. The biggest thing really is going to be, and we've heard them talk about interior pressure and how much they like it, they've got to get after the quarterback. Because Kirk Cousins is having a bad go of it. 
Garrett Bradbury is the worst pass-blocking offensive lineman in football right now. And so they're going to have opportunities to slow down this offense, and then it really just comes down to can you do on any, anything on offense. They've got a very, very talented running back right now that they drafted. Um, he's one of the top. Let me see. He's, he's actually currently ranked the highest-graded running back in all of football right now, Josh Jacobs. They're getting some stuff done. They went out and paid a bunch of money for an offensive line. Uh, they got Darren Waller, who is doing a good job at tight end, whoever that is. Tyrell Williams is finally having a good outing out there. It's it's it's. I'm not betting on it. I'm guessing the Vikings are going to win and probably pretty convincingly. But it's not super impossible. But I would I would f- feel fairly comfortable in the Vikings winning that game. Jets Patriots. We know what's going to happen there. Eagles Lions. I already talked about. I do think the Eagles are going to win this game. It's in Philly, which is awesome. The biggest issue for um, the Eagles is going to be injuries. Uh, Deshaun Jackson is out. Dallas Goddard is questionable. Alshon Jeffrey is questionable. Actually, there's tweets coming across right now. I, I, I saw about Alshon Jeffrey, but I don't remember what it said. Uh, Jernigan is out with a foot. Corey Clement is out. And uh, Malik Jackson is on IR. They've got a lot of injuries, which is going to come in our favor when we play the Eagles. But against the Lions, when we want the Eagles to win, kind of need them to step it up a little bit. So I'm going to say I think the Eagles win this game, but I don't know that it's necessarily a you know a trouncing. It it could be, it absolutely could be, but the Lions have an opportunity to to pull off an upset here, and the Eagles just need to make sure that does not happen. Thanks very much. The um, Carolina Panthers and the Cardinals, it maybe shouldn't matter all that much. However, the Carolina Panthers are one of those teams that maybe has the potential to be a wild card team. They're not playing like it right now, but maybe. Here's the thing, though, with Cam Newton out, and, and maybe this doesn't even matter. Maybe they're just going to be garbage all year. Very, very possible. But if they lose this game to the Cardinals, who are not a very good football team, that's going to be pretty devastating. One of those things where if they pick it up toward the end of the year where they're in contention, this Cardinals game that they lose is going to be pretty bad. It's also going to be important for us because we play the Cardinals later, or the uh, the Panthers later in the season. So... If they lose in convincing fashion, and here's the thing with the Carolina Panthers that I've noticed, and I I predicted their, I guess, downfall after the Super Bowl of having a really bad year. With Cam Newton as the leader, Cam Newton is very pouty, as I've said. It's one of the reasons I didn't like him even coming out, because he would sit on the sideline with a towel over his head and cry, and it drove me nuts. He's an ultra-emotional player. And as the leader of the team, it, it, it kind of is similar to the Packers in a way to where if, if Aaron Rodgers is off, the whole team is off. If Aaron Rodgers isn't playing well, the whole team isn't playing well. If Aaron Rodgers is in a bad mood, the whole team's in a bad mood. If Aaron Rodgers is quiet, everyone's quiet. If Aaron Rodgers is having fun and being happy, look at the team now. Everybody's having fun and happy. If this thing spirals out of control and Cam's just kind of throwing his hands up and going, I don't know what to do, that could be really good for the Packers down the line. When we play the Panthers, they could be in full, I just don't care mode anymore. That would be ideal. So I'm rooting for Arizona to win, although I'm not positive that happens. we got to see what Kyle Allen can muster at quarterback, which is probably not much. The Giants and the Buccaneers, extremely relevant game because they've got a brand new quarterback. And if these guys come out and they carve up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's time to start being a little bit concerned about our ability to beat them because they have a new quarterback. All right. they're still not a very good team. The defense is garbage. However, this this should be an automatic for the Packers. This should just be a simple, easy game. It's a win. It's going to help us get into the playoffs. If this quarterback is legit, and they've got a really, really elite... I mean, you thought Dalvin Cook was good. That's nothing compared to Saquon. And they also have a much better offensive line. And then they're going to have a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. 
that becomes a problem. Now, the defense can't do anything, but still, if it becomes a situation where they're scoring lots of points and our offense still is just kind of, I don't know, we're having a hard time figuring out how to tie our shoelaces, derp to derp. I'm just saying keep an eye on the Giants. I, I, I don't know if I'm buying into it. He had a great preseason, but who cares? It's preseason. Defenses aren't even really trying in preseason. They're you know, not disguising coverages. They're not doing anything. It's just vanilla. Just, I don't know, everyone stand in a spot and do something cool. As far as who wins the game, I guess I don't really care. It's just a matter of, of keeping an eye on that, although I do think the Buccaneers win the game. I think the Saints and Seahawks game is kind of interesting because you know, there, there was a time at which I would definitely be rooting for the Seahawks because the Saints are going to be the number one competition, although the Seahawks are, are in that wild card contention thing. At this point, though, I don't really know because it feels like the Saints are going to miss the playoffs, and if they have an opportunity to take the Seahawks down a peg, that would be beneficial. I don't really know who I want to win this game. Probably the Saints, plus my son inexplicably is, is a big Saints fan. I think he just likes good teams. He found out the Saints were good. He likes the Saints. He likes the Chiefs. He does like the Packers. He just likes a lot of different teams. Now, he, he plays for the Steelers in flag football, so he's a Steelers fan, obviously. Anyways, I'll probably root for the Saints. That said, however, it will be kind of interesting. Um, it feels like the Saints are just kind of out of it. But, you know, what? how good does Teddy even need to be for this team to still keep clicking? It's just a very, very good football team. They still have Alvin Kamara. They still have Thomas. And I will say this until I'm just dead and gone. I don't get the Seahawks very much. I know Russell Wilson is a freak. Offensive line is trash. Their wide receivers are just kind of meh. Chris Carson's off to a slow start. I mean, how good is Russell Wilson? Seriously. How does this keep happening? And even their defense, they, they still got some key pieces, but this is not an elite defense. They don't have elite corners. They don't have any good safeties. They got Bobby Wagner. Whoop-de-doo. I mean, Bobby Wagner, J- uh, Jadavian Clowney, and Russell Wilson, that's pretty much it for the entire team. How are they constantly good? I mean, not even elite, but they're always, you know, playoff, whatever. It's just, I don't, I have no idea how they're doing this. But I do think the Saints should have a chance. They, they've got wide receivers. They've got a great running back. They've got an, an incredible offensive line. They've got Dalvin, not Dalvin, Jared Cook. They've got a premier pass rusher in Cam Jordan. They've got a pretty good defensive front. They should be able to win the game. If Teddy Bridgewater can just be mediocre, they should be able to win the game. But I don't know. That'll be interesting. And it is an NFC North uh, game, excuse me, an NFC game. So there, there's a good chance that that has some sort of implications. It's probably going to be the Seahawks, if I had to guess. That's going to be the team. If any one of these is going to be kind of, you know, by the end of the year, we're looking at it going, we need this team to lose. It's probably going to be the Seahawks. But again, I just don't get it, man. I don't understand it. I've been saying for two years now that the decline is coming. And it has been declining. But I mean, I, I, I feel like they should have fallen off a cliff by now. And they just refuse to do so. They got like nothing left, man. Uh, Rams-Browns, definitely rooting for the Browns in this one. Definitely not impossible that the Browns win. I think we overstated maybe how good the Browns could be because it's the whole dream team thing. I think the uh, the Rams are going to be a much better coached team. But just based on talent, um, I think the, the offensive line issues are slightly overstated, although it's not great for the, the Cleveland Browns. Odell Beckham is no joke, obviously. We know Jarvis Landry is a good wide receiver. We know Chubb is a good running back. We know Mayfield is a, is a pretty good quarterback. They should be able to move the ball here. Dante Fowler has kind of stepped up, and that, that could have a really big impact for this team because with Aaron Donald on the inside and Fowler on the outside, that's a pretty solid combo. My man Taylor Rapp, the guy that I was talking about in the draft, has been pretty solid um, at safety, for those that don't know. they got Aqib Tlaib, who's still a pretty good quarterback. They've got Marcus Peters, or cornerback. they got Marcus Peters, who's a good cornerback. 
I, I, I don't know. I mean, it should be the Rams fairly easily, but the, the Cleveland Browns do have the talent. It's just a matter of, similar to what I said with the Packers, can you kind of get the best out of this talent? Because you've got decent corners and linebackers, and Olivier Vernon is okay. I don't know. Needless to say, I'm going to be rooting for the Cleveland Browns, although I don't, I don't necessarily expect them to win. But if they can, that just bumps us up a bit, assuming we beat the Broncos, which, of course, that's what we'll be assuming today. Then finally is going to be Bears-Redskins. That's the, the last one. It's the Monday night game. Case Keenum, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, glorious case. They got a guy by the name of Terry McLaurin who's just been tearing up the league. He's one of the, the top rookies so far this year. He might even be the top one. I don't exactly remember. But through two weeks, he's been phenomenal. Uh, Keenum's going to be under duress. The offensive line is not super great. But um, hopefully they can get something going. I don't think they need to score that many points to beat the Bears because I don't think the Bears are going to score that many points. They may. The uh, The Redskins' defense is that's the official term by the way but you got Kerrigan maybe Montez Sweat finally steps up and does something for the first time in his his NFL career they got Landon Collins Josh Norman who's wildly overrated but you know he should be able to do something against this this offense I don't know I I really hope so is Chicago the better team of course they're the better team but it's Monday night Trubisky's garbage Washington has a chance to beat this team anyways them's my thoughts I'm gonna get out of here gotta get ready for my day Get my swag on. I don't know what that means, but I say it sometimes. Folks, enjoy your day, and uh, we'll be talking about Packers tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.